Hey, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the Woodstock City Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download the Woodstock City Church app where you can access all of our recent message content as well as find out about what's going on around Woodstock City Church. And the app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Great to see you. If you've never met, my name is Samer, and uh, I get to serve here as lead pastor with an incredible staff uh, that made this morning, that's not this morning, wow, that made this evening happen, and so we're so grateful uh, that you're joining us. Whether you're out of town, visiting for the first time, uh, we're honored that you'd spend Christmas Eve services with us, so really, really great to see you. Um, I'm one of the guys that love everything about Christmas. I'm not the Scrooge in my family. I'm not the Grinch in my family. You might be. That's okay. That's okay. I love all the things about Christmas. You name it. I love it. Uh, the little Debbie Christmas tree cakes. Anybody? I got an oh yeah from a man up front. Yeah, okay. They're hard to find this year. I don't know why. Supply chain, I don't know. But uh, they're at a premium. Love those things too much. Um, I, love, I even love the, the cheesy Hallmark Christmas movies. You know what I'm talking about? The ones that all end the same, have the same actors, and you know how it's going to go. But I can't take my eyes off the screen, you know? I don't know why. Wholesome. It's fun for the whole family, and I, I don't know. I just, I like the, the Hallmark movies. I love all the songs. Right now in our family, Harper, we like Christmas music, but she only likes one Christmas song, only one. And it's, well, what, this Christmas? This Christmas. That's why I don't lead worship. Uh, but that's the, it's the only song she wants to listen to. We've tried everything. She's not interested. So that we've played, today, we went to, went to the car wash, because that's what you do with little kids, and uh, they had a lot of fun. Played that song six times in a row. So, but I love all the Christmas songs, the Christmas music, the decorations. Uh, I'm not great at doing some of the decorations, but I like the decorations. I love the magic of the decorations. But maybe my favorite of all the decorations is the lights. I love the lights. I love everything about the lights. There's something so magical about the lights. I grew up in Marietta. Grew up going to the, um, the lights at Life University. Anybody? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah, come on. Who did that? Who did that? Yes. Do they still do that? Okay, cool. I'm going to take my kids there one day. That feels like it'd be awesome, I think. I don't know. I remember being probably way better than it actually is, houses, most things from when you were younger. But love everything about lights. There's something so magical about the twinkling and the arrangement, the botanical gardens. I love going to the botanical gardens. It's fantastic, especially if you've never been to the botanical gardens during Christmas. You need to go during Christmas. You might have run out of time now, but the lights, the garden lights, I don't know what they call it, but it's unbelievable. It's magical. There's something about the beauty of the lights. Some of you experienced it as you walked into the halls of our church today, the beauty and the magic of the lights. And maybe, maybe there isn't a place that the lights are more pretty and maybe more magical than when they are on a Christmas tree. And I can't imagine a light, a tree without Christmas lights. I can't imagine trees, Christmas trees. You put all the ornaments and that's fine. That's pretty. But there's something for me in our house when we get down there stairs in the morning and we turn it on for the first time and just glows up the living room. There's something. You're sitting there at night and you're, you're doing Netflix and, and you've got the fireplace going. And then just right there in the, in, the, in the dim living room, the Christmas tree is lit. There's something magical about the lights on a tree. It's fascinating. The story of how Christmas lights got onto a Christmas tree. Because there was a time when they did not put Christmas lights on a Christmas tree because they did not have that kind of technology, right? So they used to put candles to light a tree. That sounds like a terrible idea, by the way. (laughs) 
I don't know if you've ever seen like a dry Christmas tree caught on fire, but no thank you. You know what I mean? Like, what do you do if the candle drips a little bit? You got to blow up on that. Just sounds like a terrible idea. Thanks for trying, but no thanks. But that's what, that's what they did for the longest time. But then in 1882, a man by the name of Edward Johnson, who was a very good friend of Thomas Edison, the guy that invented the light bulbs, so I've been told, and he worked at the Edison Electric Company, and he had this brilliant idea. Let me string a bunch of light bulbs together and I'll put them on my Christmas tree. So Edward Johnson did just that. And he knew that he had something spectacular. And so he put out a press release to all of these news outlets in the area. And he told them, hey, listen, the Edison Electric Company has something that you have got to come check out. And he had a date and a location. It was gonna be this showcase at his house. But most of the news outlets, they thought it was just a joke. They thought it was some kind of publicity stunt. So most of them didn't show up. But there was one reporter from the Detroit Post and Tribune who decided to come see what Edward Johnson had cooked up. And I wanna read to you a little snippet of the article that this reporter wrote describing, again, for the very first time what he saw when he saw these lights on a Christmas tree. He said, last evening, I walked over beyond Fifth Avenue and called at the residence of Edward H. Johnson, the vice president of Edison's electric company. There at the rear of the beautiful parlors was a large Christmas tree presenting a most picturesque and uncanny aspect. It was brilliantly lighted with many colored globes about as large as an English walnut. It was, uh, uh, there were 80 lights in all encased in these dainty glass eggs and about equally divided between white, red, blue. The result was a continuous twinkling of dancing colors, red, white, blue, white, red, blue, all evening. And then he closes it with this, with this sentence. I need not tell you that the scintillating evergreen was a pretty sight. One can hardly imagine anything prettier that he's looking at this tree and it was revolutionary. It was unlike anything he'd ever seen before. He's seeing lights dancing on a Christmas tree. They're bulbs, it's electric, there's a bunch, they're different colors, there's different lights. And he's taken aback, he's blown away. He's seeing something that he had never seen before. But you know the fascinating thing? It took almost 40 years for this trend to catch on, 40 years. Some people just thought they were skeptical some people were not ready to move past the traditions of candles, which I don't understand. Some people thought it was too expensive. Some people just did not know because of the way that news traveled. But those that were there, the handful of reporters that came, and this particular one from the Detroit Post and Tribune, knew they were looking at something spectacular. In that moment, light had shown itself in a way like never before. Light had shown itself in a way like never before. And that, my friends, is the story of Christmas. Maybe you grew up in church. If you're like me, you didn't. And so maybe you've heard bits and pieces of the Christmas story. Maybe you've known it your entire life. But if you just recount Luke and, and Matthew, the Gospels tell us bits and pieces of the birth of Jesus. And we learn that there was this teenager named Mary. She was a virgin and she was engaged to a, a man named Joseph and she's planning her wedding. And then an angel shows up to Mary. And this angel has some incredible news to tell Mary. And it's like, hey, listen, you are going to be with child. But this child, it is from God. 
You have been found favored by God and so you're going to give birth to the savior of the world. So then Joseph finds out that Mary's pregnant and didn't make sense to him. It just didn't make sense to him. And so his plan was to divorce her quietly because that's not how this was supposed to go. But then an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph and the angel tells Joseph, hey, listen, what is happening to Mary? It is of the Holy Spirit. Do not leave her. She is going to give birth to the savior of the world and you are going to name him Jesus. So Joseph doesn't divorce her quietly. He commits to her publicly. Then Caesar Augustus issues a, de a decree that a census be taken, which means everyone has to go to their hometowns. And so that leads Joseph and Mary on a long donkey ride to Bethlehem. They get there. There's no room at the inn. So then they have to go to the stable. That's where Mary gives birth to Jesus and he is placed in a manger. Soon after his birth, a star appears. And these magi, who studied astrology, they saw that this star was kind of out of place. They saw that this star wasn't where it was supposed to be. So it led them on a journey to ask some questions to Jerusalem. And eventually they found their way to the place where the savior, this baby, this child was laying in a manger who was born. They came and worshiped him and gave him gifts that were fit only for a king. That in that moment, in that moment, those that experienced it and those that witnessed it knew that they were experiencing something special. In that moment, light had shown itself in a way like never before. If you read through the accounts of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are relatively similar in writing style, but John is very different. He's a lot more poetic with his language. And the way that he describes the birth of Jesus he doesn't so much talk about the events of the birth. He doesn't give us the events of the Christmas story. He gives us the significance of the birth of Jesus. And in John chapter one, verse four, this is what he writes. He says, in him, talking about Jesus, in him was life. That in Jesus, in the birth of Jesus, was the culmination and the source of all life spiritually, but also physically, that we learn that through Jesus, God created all that is known. So in him was life, in the embodiment of this child that was born in the most unlikeliest of fashion, was life. And that life, he goes on to say, was the light of all mankind. That that life came in order that we, in the midst of any darkness we would ever face, might have the light of all mankind. Verse five, and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. That the light shines and the darkness has not overcome it. Light had shown itself in a way like never before. Light had shown itself in the way of a savior born in the unlikeliest of fashions. Light had shown itself in a savior born to shine into your darkness and my darkness and would not be overcome by the darkness of sin and the darkness of death and even the darkness of tragedy. No, this light would shine through and give us hope. This light that was born, that shone itself in a way like never before would change the world forever. And then some 33 years later, Jesus, he's grown, 
He's teaching in the temple courts during the Feast of Tabernacles. In the Feast of Tabernacles, the Jewish people have various different feasts to celebrate and commemorate different things that God has done in their lives. And so the Feast of Tabernacles commemorates a time in the nation of, um, in the history of the, of the nation of Israel when they were wandering in the wilderness. You can read about this in the Old Testament. And God was guiding them through the wilderness. And by day, they were guided by a pillar of cloud. And then at night, that cloud turned into a fire and they were guided through the wilderness that way. And so the Feast of Tabernacles commemorates God's faithfulness to lead them through the wilderness. And and here's what they would do. Because the fire led Israel by night, during the Feast of Tabernacles in in um, in the temple, they would have candles lit everywhere. And so presumably, with that as the backdrop, Jesus presumably with candles lit all behind him and around him. He stands up in front of all of these people and this is what he teaches. And with that as the context, it's mind boggling what he says. He says, I am, in John chapter eight, I am the light of the world. Me, you're looking at him. I know you're celebrating and commemorating that light that God used to guide you through the wilderness, but you need to know he sent me, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life, the light that leads to life. Jesus, in this moment where they're commemorating the fact that they followed this fire, their ancestors followed this fire through the wilderness, Jesus is saying, hey, listen, I know God sent that fire, but he sent a brand new light, a different light, a light unlike any other light. He has sent me and I am the embodiment of light. I am the light that's gonna shine in the darkness of this world. And whoever follows me, whoever surrenders their life to me, Whoever, whoever says no to building up their kingdom in order to build up my kingdom, whoever, no matter how difficult it is sometimes, surrenders their will to my will, whoever follows me, whoever puts their faith in me, whoever anchors the hope of their life to me will never walk in darkness. That in Jesus, We see light showing itself to all of mankind in a way like never before. And he came for you and for me in the light. It's never overcome by darkness because that's what light does. Light dispels the darkness. In fact, what is darkness? It's essentially the absence of light. And then light comes in and obliterates the darkness. And here's what Jesus is saying to you and to me this Christmas season. Jesus, the light of the world, dispels the darkness of uselessness with the light of purpose. Jesus, the light of the world, dispels the darkness of fear and gives us the the light of peace that Jesus dispels the darkness of tragedy with the light of hope. Jesus dispels the darkness of our sin with the light of grace. Jesus dispels the darkness of death with the light of life. And Jesus came to be the light in your darkest moments. He came to be the light in your darkest night. 
And he came to be the light that shines in the darkness of this thing that had a hold of every single one of us called sin. Jesus, in him is light that shines in the darkness and the darkness has not. No matter what you're facing this Christmas, no matter what you have faced this year and whatever we will face in the future, that darkness has not, will not, and never will overcome it. Because Jesus is the light of the world. I don't know what concept you had of Jesus walking into this place tonight, but can I just tell you, he's not some ruler with rules and regulations looking to hold you back. He's here to light up the darkness in your life. Not to give you a perfect life, not to make everything go the way that you had hoped to go, but to be a light and a hope and peace and joy and anchor and grace and mercy in whatever darkness you're facing. And here's what is true of all of us in the room, no matter where you are in the faith spectrum, is the human experience is one where we're gonna run into some darkness. But because of Jesus, the darkness can't overcome. And maybe you've been a Jesus follower for quite some time. And maybe this Christmas season, in the midst of the craziness of Christmas, you might be reminded of the miraculous reality, no matter what you're facing. And man, this just hits so close home to me this season because of stuff going on in my family. We just recently lost my grandfather two days ago. You've been following Jesus for a long time, but you've forgotten that in the darkness, Jesus is our So here's a question. Jesus is the light of the world. Is he the light of your world? Is Jesus the light of your world? Is he the one that you follow? Is he the one that you hope in? Or is it still in something that has constantly disappointed you? Is he the one that you've surrendered your life to? Is he the one that you look to when everything else around you just feels like it's falling apart? Jesus is the light of the world. And a question worth asking is, is he the light of your world? Because here's what's true. We celebrate Christmas because he came to be the light of your world. And there's nothing you've got to bring to him. There's nothing you've got to do. There's nobody you've got to be other than available, other than someone that surrenders, other than someone that says, I can't on my own, so I'm going to give my life to one that has promised to be with me, to the one that wants to light up my darkness. That's what he came to do for you and for me. And maybe the darkest thing that he lit up was this thing called sin that separated us from our heavenly father. And his light came to forgive us of our sin. In fact, his light obliterated the hold that sin had on us so that we would no longer have any hindrance, but we could live in unhindered relationship with our heavenly father. So here's what we're gonna do in just a few moments. You guys all got a candle on your chair, maybe under your chair. 
If you're unaware that there's a candle on your chair, there should be one (laughs) on your chair. And in just a few moments, not yet, in just a few moments, our guest services team, they're gonna come forward in the different sections and, and we're gonna light our candles. They're gonna light the ends and you can light your neighbors until we all have candles lit. But before we do that, <clears throat> I want you to think for just a second. I don't want this moment just to pass as like, oh, this is a cool candle moment that we do at church. Just When we light these candles, I, I want you to think about what that light might represent for you this season. Whether you're a, a Jesus follower or not, What might that light represent for you? For some of you, it might represent the fact that God intervened in your life this year in a way that you did not expect. And as that candle gets lit, I want you to think about that. I want you to thank God for that. And I want you to remind your faith of that. That for some of you, what that light is going to represent is unexplainable peace that you experienced in the midst of unexplainable tragedy this year. That's what that light's gonna represent. For some of you, it's going to represent unshakable joy even when everything else was shaking around you. For some of you, what it's going to represent is a hope that you've been able to hold on to beyond anything that has or hasn't happened in this world around you. For some of you, that light might represent a decision that you made this year to surrender your life to Jesus. Maybe for some of you, that light might represent the miracle that you're back in church because you vowed never to be again. For others of you, that light tonight might represent an invitation from the savior of the world who came to be the light of your world to follow him with the promise that those who do will never walk alone and will never walk in darkness. And hopefully for all of us, what that light might represent in these moments we have here together is to be reminded of the fact that light came into the world, showed itself in a way like never before for you and for me. And may that light be true of the way that we live this Christmas season as well. I'm gonna pray for us and our guest services team is gonna come forward. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for Jesus, and we're so grateful for the light that he is to our darkness. So Heavenly Father, in these next few moments, as we commemorate your faithfulness, as we commemorate what Christmas is by lighting of these candles, would you just speak to our hearts? Would you light up our hearts and our eyes to see Jesus for who he is and who he came to be? In these next few moments, Father, would you remind us that in the midst of any darkness we face, are facing, have faced, or ever will face. This light is the truth, that the light of the world is with us. And because of him, the darkness can never overcome us. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.